Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast. This is your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello! Uh, we can be found on our website, which is www.lapodcast.net. Is that right? The words weren't coming out right. <laughs> is that right? That was right, yeah. 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 www.lapodcast.net. We're on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash lapodcast. We can be found on Twitter at, at LA Podcast. And of course, you can go to iTunes if you've got an iDevice and you can download all of our episodes there. Subscribe to us, leave us a review. I should say that you can get all of our episodes as well from our website. You can download streams to all of the episodes there or actually just download the, the episodes themselves to do with what you wish. Yeah, and of course, click subscribe. That's the thing that means the most to us. On iTunes. On oh, iTunes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Rob, we, 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 we're trying to keep to time today, aren't we? Yes, uh, we've had a, a bit of a technical difficulty. We've had some technical difficulties before starting the show, which have not been resolved, and we've had to resort to alternate means. Namely, my desktop computer seems to have died, so we're now doing this on my laptop. But we don't need to bore you with that information. No. But Rob, we are going to... The, the, dead, the dead desktop computer is slightly on my mind at the moment. I, I can understand that. I think I would be... To, to be honest, I think I would have just abandoned everything and just that would be my sole source of uh, tension at this point in time but uh, so, I, I, I appreciate you persevering yeah like, like all good performers the show must go on absolutely um, right Rob I've got um, a couple of I'm just going to start us off with two stories here right um, which are both I guess you could call them bad news animal stories <laughs> now, I guess you could call them that yeah is that what they are basically uh, yeah they yeah, are bad yeah. news animal stories <laughs> One is from the Bournemouth Echo, the Daily Echo from Bournemouth, and it's by Jim Durkin, and it was from Tuesday the 5th of November. And the headline is, it's a rather mysterious story of this, Gang of sheep rustlers steal 160 animals from field near wool. <laughs> uh, and um, it's quite a... Ma- Are those animals they've stolen sheep? <laughs> well, yes, Rob, but, but what's interesting is that officers are on the trail of a gang of sheep rustlers who struck at a field near the aptly named village of wool. Yes, I know we'll but don't we'll find, well. But that is what you'd call... Um, what's the word? What's the Coincidence? Phrase? No, not coincidence. Um, well, it's ironic, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> but I, I can't think of the term I was looking for. Around 160 sheep were stolen in the raid, which took place between 8am on Saturday, November 2nd, and 2.30pm on Monday afternoon. Police believe the thieves must have used must have been used to handling livestock... And that a large vehicle would have been used. Well, no shit. You're not going to pack 160 sheep into the back of a four-wheel are you? I'd love to see that. <laughs> Do you think they pulled the wool over the eyes of the farmer? The animals were also marked and electronically tagged. Constable Adam Taylor of Ware and Police said, if anyone has been offered sheep in unusual circumstances... <laughs> so he's just he sort of walked into a pub and opened his coat and went... Excuse me, mate. Do you want to run? <laughs> Which again could mean something else. Yeah, it could. Okay. That could be a euphemism. Yeah. If anyone has been offered cheap in unusual circumstances, <laughs> I just or for very low prices, then please, <laughs> please contact the police. How much should you, should you be paying for a sheep these days? What, what's what's uh, the rate of a sheep on the on the on the on the open market? One hundred and forty-eight pounds per sheep. I see. Right. Okay. Then I've been uh, willing and underpaid for my sheep. You've been underpaying for your sheep? Yeah, I have, yeah. Getting a good deal then? Yeah. How yeah, much are you paying? I was paying about £100 per sheep. Well, but it was from a guy who offered it out of the back of four months Right. Yeah. Right. Are you sure they were sheep and they weren't just pigs with, with like cotton wool stuck over them? They were barking. They were barking? Yeah. So were they dogs that had been shaved with wool stuck all over them? Cotton wool? It's I'm an old trick, Rob. 
It's possible. I mean, the wall did come off under, you know, heavy cleaning. Or you pulling on it too tightly when you're doing doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the National Farmers Union revealed £500,000 worth of livestock was rustled in the UK last year. Much of this stolen livestock is believed to have gone straight back into the food chain. On this latest Dorset theft, which took place on the land next to the busy A352 between Wool and East Stoke. It's a good road, that. I didn't know Stoke was anywhere near there. There must be another Stoke. Right, it's not yeah, that Stoke. All my learning that I've done is going out the window. I was thinking, what? PC Taylor confirmed the thieves would have needed a good understanding of livestock. You've already said that. And used a large vehicle, possibly a six or eight wheeler type lorry to move the sheep. I'm appealing to witnesses and anyone who have made seen unusual activity in the area around the time all the sheep had colour markings and were electronically tagged no arrests have been made and uh, you know you need to call the Dorset police if you uh, if you witnessed anything can I, why would you do good understanding of livestock I mean I can I can basically work out how to get a sheep from a field into a van how, how? well some sort of lifting apparatus that's ridiculous. You'd want to do it quickly and swiftly. You might have to bring a sheepdog with you. Or at least. Do you think they had a sheepdog as an accomplice? 160 sheep, Rob. I reckon they had a sheepdog up in on this. He rounded them up, got them in. He's the mastermind. <laughs> and an articulated lorry. You yeah. think someone might have spotted that? <laughs> Just this man's an articulated lorry parked up in a, in a country laid by. Well, you know, it is in Dorset, so well, what, are the fa- what are the farmers doing? You should have been keeping an eye on his sheep, no? Possibly, possibly. Um, pool boy two says might have been somebody from Wales. Uh, tiny <laughs> oh, legacy, yeah, yeah. Tiny legacy says please report anyone looking sheepish in the area. Nice. Wackerone couldn't be bothered to be imaginative and just says meh. Right. Uh, pool boy two comes back. He's had another humorous uh, idea. He says okay. perhaps the police should look in Cardigan Bay. Yeah. So uh, funny. Yeah. Um, quite close to your other comment which is because Cardigan, Cardigan Bay is obviously in Wales any old iron says not a chance they spotted the irony of their own headline well actually I think there is because they put in the first paragraph that it was the aptly named village of war yeah so I think that is them spotting it um, Matt 68 says anyone need a jumper yes okay uh, Lucky Rich says maybe the culprit's instructions didn't come with the pages of 76 different languages or the offer of help from an interpreter like everything else does these days Anywhere it would be in Ringwood Market tomorrow. What? Exactly. Uh, Mike RB says they have no chance of finding them if they can't trace a tagged bloke that comes out of a mosque dressed as a woman. Uh, topical. Uh, um, uh. Yeah, okay. And Nikki Nudar simply says they will find them. You know. E W E Rob. Clever. Well done. Yes. Was that last comment, by the way, the one before the, uh, the, the really shitty you joke, suggesting that maybe the these. Rustlers have actually put, bur- put burkers on the sheep. And yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's maybe balanced one sheep on top of another, taught it to walk on its hind legs, and then I don't know, converted it to Islam. Rob, if I can be so bold mm. as to say that I remember in some of our early episodes when we had stories about missing dogs, and I don't, you know, wish to. I don't know where you're going. You're going to blame the farmer. No, I'm not going to blame. Oh, right, okay. I'm not going to blame the farmer. What I'm going to say is, is it possible, Rob, that these 160 sheep have been rustled? For some eyes wide shut style <laughs> sheep sex ring, I think it's possible, especially in Dorset. Yeah, they've all been whisked off to a big mansion where they are wearing g strings as we speak. There's incense being thrown around. There's backwards, uh, you know, Catholic music being played. Yep, yep. You know, it's a satanic mass, and you've got these sheep 
there. Alex, we need to stop because I've got quite a graphic image of a, of a sheep wearing a G-string and also a bondage mask. I didn't mention that, Rob. No, I know. That's, that's why we need to stop. Now, Rob, my second story here, before we move on to your stories, is it's a much shorter story, Rob. I mean, it's a very short story. It is a, um, a, another bad news animal story. Um, I just wanted to report it. It's from The New Shopper. It's by Tim McFarlane, who, as you know, specialises in small... Slightly comical. comical yeah, story. Yeah. Dartford pigeon found with wings glued together. In, <laughs> okay. In wicked act of cruelty. Well, you know, it's Dartford. They have to, have to entertain themselves somehow. A pigeon has been found wandering around Dartford Town Centre with its wings apparently glued together in a wicked act of cruelty. How do we know the pigeon didn't do it? Another pigeon, or the pigeon itself? No, itself. Maybe it's well, bearing in mind, self-harm. Bearing in mind that, the, um, that an investigation has recently come out and said, an inquiry has come out and said that that guy who worked for the Secret Services in the UK mm. somehow managed to put himself into a bag, do up the zip... Was, him, was it a suitcase? Uh, I yeah, a suitcase That's right. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've had people who are trained contortionists saying this would be impossible, bearing in mind there was no trace of any DNA or his <laughs> fingerprints anywhere on it. Yeah. I am not casting any aspersions on that inquiry. I'm just saying it does sound interesting. Yeah. Then I don't think it's beyond the wit of this pigeon to have glued its own wings together. For what end, we don't know, Rob. Maybe he's an attention seeker. That's true. That's true. Maybe he was looking to get in the local rag. Possibly. A group of school children spotted the sticky bird at just before 6am this morning outside recruitment agency Premier Work Support in High Street. (laughs) Sorry, what was that matter? It doesn't, but surely they, surely if you're a copper or the RSPCA, they'd be your first door. You go absolutely. Knocking. Premier work support sounds dodgy. Do you think that the pigeon was going for a job? What I don't know as what, but maybe he felt he needed to glue his wings down. Maybe he was going for a job as a penguin. <laughs> penguins, penguins are famously flightless birds. Yeah, you don't need to explain the joke, Rob. Oh, <laughs> the youngsters asked employees there for help. And they managed to catch that clearly distressed pigeon oh. before cleaning it up as best they could and putting it in a box. <laughs> um, okay. An RSPCA inspector arrived to deal with the bird whose feathers could not even be separated so firmly were they stuck together. Oh. The feathers were rock hard, Rob, with glue. Agency administrator Anne Christie told New Shopper we couldn't understand what the kids were doing until the young girl came in and said, Could you help check this pigeon? It looks like it's been super glued. He was running around with bits of cardboard stuck to him and you couldn't couldn't even pull the feathers apart. They were so rock hard. We all got covered in glue trying to help him. It's bad enough putting gel in your hair, let alone super glue. Random comment there at the end. (laughs) Animal lover Mrs Christie owns a pair of two-year-old Jack Russells who are like her children, in quotes. And she says she would go absolutely ballistic, in quotes, if any harm came to them. Her Jack Russells or her children? I'm confused. I'm guessing she's got no children. Yeah. Uh, she added, how can people be so wicked? I've got other words for it, but they wouldn't be printable. I don't understand. Yes, pigeons can be a nuisance, but at the end of the day, they're entitled to live just like everyone else. Where has the humanity gone? It's disgusting. If they're going to treat animals like that, what are they going to do to humans? And suddenly, Rob, we return to our graduation of uh, graduation of killing it's hypothesis. True. So in this case, this nutter who's superglued a pigeon's wings together might move up through bigger and bigger animals yeah. to leave eventually, Rob, supergluing, I don't know, the arms, a of human. A human, the arms of a human behind his back or even worse. Yeah. With Christmas coming up, 
What happened to goodwill to all beings, she says. No, well, that's not the phrase. Is no, it, no, it's, <laughs> what, it's goodwill to all men, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Not, but I don't think pigeons are included. <laughs> no. New Shopper is waiting, Rob, for a comment from the RSPCA. Especially, when it, it, especially in, in, in uh, Victorian times where pigeons used to be served as, uh, on Christmas Day. Mm. Especially in the, um, yeah, the, the lower echelons of well, the... Dartford type areas. Basically, yeah. Uh, why would somebody have done this, Rob? And no, my, my question Fair is enough. when I read this story is, I would have thought that catching a pigeon is quite difficult. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Isn't it? To catch and hold a pigeon. I reckon they must have found this pigeon injured already and done it. Because to actually catch and hold a pigeon and super glue its wings together would be quite difficult because they can, you know, they're, they're pretty... Also, I, I know it sounds stupid, but super glue tends to be fast drying. How on earth was it still wet when these school children were dealing with it? What do you mean? Well, super glue is, uh, you know... Yes. Uh, you know yeah. uh, I know it's fast drying, yeah. yes. They said that they, the pigeon was still sticky. My suggestion was that wasn't that wasn't super glue. That might be PVA. It wouldn't have worked if it had been PVA or Pritt stick. I think I think, I think I think the sticky thing is an embellishment. Obviously, oh, obviously, obviously okay. it probably wasn't. But sticky. you do raise a good point. Why were they catching? Unless it was sticky for some other reason. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're back to that bestiality ring. Um, no, it was a sheep rustling ring. I didn't even realise other animals in it. Well, there may have been a pigeon involved in the centre of it. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm back on the gimp mask. Um, but yeah, then why would you catch a pigeon just to glue its wings together? Well, I mean, is that not just really... Is it not as possible this pigeon has had come to, met some, excuse the pun, sticky end? I don't understand. Well, I don't know, maybe fence with a pot of glue or something. Oh, maybe yeah. it was involved in a glue factory. Maybe it was semen. Hmm. Pigeon glue factory instant. <laughs> I like it as an episode good. title. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Good name for a band. <laughs> yeah. That's true, actually. Ah. Yeah, we'll copyright that. Okay, Rob, you got some stories for us? Uh, yes, the first story is from the Gazette and Herald. Um, the story... Oh, no journalist listed. Uh, dolphins restored to rightful spot on gates and devices. Now, when I think of devices, I think of uh, stories about prom girls. Yes, usually... Um, like last week. Of, we? uh, of, of a dubious age. Uh, well, I say not as dubious, I mean obviously underage. Um, this, the historic Quaker Walk gates and devices have been restored, complete with dolphin, dolphin emblems, making a memorial mammal... Oh, bloody hell, that's, that's, a, that's a bloody mouthful. Say that sentence again. <sighs> the historic Quaker's Walk gates and devices have been restored... Complete with dolphin emblems, marking a memorable, memorable. Thank you, memorable mammal. The legend says saved hundreds of lives. There's an episode title in there somewhere, but I can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, dolphins have been absent from the Randalls and the Gates for more than forty years. Uh, Wiltshire Council took the opportunity, while whilst, ha- whilst having the gates restored, to have dolphins made. The dolphins were the symbol of the uh, Colston family crest. The Colson's own Roundway Park and Quaker's Walk Gatehouse. Both the gatehouse and the gates are listed. Um, according to the legend, Edward Colston, a merchant from Bristol, who was born in 1636, took the dolphins as a symbol following the safe return of an uninsured ship. Okay? This is good. Can I just ask you something? Yes. Unless I've gravely misread the situation, this isn't local anaesthetic history edition. <laughs> You need the background to this. I'm, I'm even struggling to work out what the fuck this story is about. Okay. Right? So, historic gates were replaced 
um, of this family estate, okay? There's, the dolphin is the emblem of the family. Right. Because of the, this the incident. Fa- the family have an emblem of a dolphin. Yes, in Bristol. Right. And here's There's, why. Now this bit I'm looking forward to. Okay. It is said that one of his ships, heavily laden and returning from the West Indies, um, picked up a gaggle of dolphins, <laughs> an eyes wide shut dolphins <laughs> sex ritual. Unfortunately not. Um, sprung a leak which the crew were unable Could to you stop. Could sex with a dolphin? Do dolphins have blowholes? No, but... Do, they're do really... they not? No, that's what? a whale, isn't it? Yeah. They must have some... They've got mouse. No, it wasn't. It's a bit seedy. <laughs> Sorry. I was talking about traditional sex, Rob. Oh. Nothing kinky like that. <laughs> Back on the gimp mask again. Uh, <laughs> which the crew weren't able to stop. The water rose rapidly, but unaccountably, it ceased. The pumps were kept at work and the ship was soon clear of the water and able to proceed. On reaching the port, the, the ship was examined for damage and a hole was found in the ship's timbers. But it had been blocked by a dolphin, which got stuck in the hole. So a dolphin inadvertently saved the ship from drowning, unless it did it deliberately. Yeah, uh, it, it might have made the hole fall, we know. Uh, keeping the, the leak at bay sufficiently for the ship to, to carry on its voyage, the dolphin was credited with saving the lives of the crew and the vessel from floundering. Yeah, unless, as you say, it was the dolphin that created the hole. Yeah. In which case, it didn't do anything. It was, it was... I mean, it could have been, a, 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 I don't know, some sort of rudimentary dolphin pirate. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't say what it was. If it was from the West Indies, I mean, what's important from the West Indies? Tobacco, I believe. Hmm. Cricket. Where are you going with this? I can't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I thought you said the dolphin was a pirate. Or are you saying they were pirates? No, no, the dolphin was a pirate. He was trying to work his way into the ship to steal all the goods off the ship and then let it sink. It's the perfect crime, Alex. Yeah, and they do say dolphins are intelligent. Yeah. More intelligent than you. <laughs> I wish to stop saying that, it's getting mean. Uh, my second story is uh, also from uh, the Gazette Herald. Um, the headline is uh, Clothes Swap on Swish List. Mm hmm. Uh, women who have clothes uh, shoved to the back of the wardrobe that are unlikely to be ever worn again can swap them at a swishing party on in Sneed tonight. I've, I've no idea where Sneed is, by the way. Sounds made up. Yeah. Sounds like S S E E N D. Sounds like a planet from Red Dwarf. Snend. Doesn't it? It does, yeah, it does. Anyway. Yeah. Swishing is the latest craze to hit the UK as popularised by the TV show Twiggy's Fock Exchange. Does any of that sentence make any sense to you? No. No. Everyone attending must bring at least one item of clothing that they want to swap, and in return... One item? You could just bring... A sock. Yeah, a piece of old tap. <laughs> you can walk with, you come with a sock and just walk out with a dress. Mm. Uh, and in return, can choose anything they want. But you could bring a really horrible item. Yeah, or pay, maybe a pair of stained underwear. <laughs> you could. Are you thinking of going to one of these? Oh, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. With your woman's wig on. <laughs> it doesn't say, oh, it does say woman, yeah. Uh, the party is that the Sneed, I don't think it is Sneed, Snend? S-E-E-N-D. I don't Snend. care. Snend. Community Centre, Rusty Lane, at 7.30pm. Rusty Lane. Yeah. Uh, entries by donations to the Wiltshire Search and Rescue, and any clothes left at the end can be taken home or will be distributed to the local charity shops. For more information, call Jenny. <laughs> I've got nothing to say about that story. <laughs> uh, my last story is from the, the Quinn Advertiser. Uh, the story is by An- Andrew Jameson. 
And the headline is Pub Landlord Did Sorry. Pub Landlord Dishes Out Vigilante Justice to Fruit Machine Raiders. Um, Vigilante Justice, I like that. Phrase. Yeah, I thought you might, that's why I chose it. Um also I'll, I have to say I will be adopting a, an accent. Um, good. So but you're you're here hopefully when, when it kicks in. <laughs> Uh, the landlord of a Crystal Palace supporters pub dished out some vigilante justice on two men trying to raid his fruit machines. Dan Foley of the White Horse on Selhurst Road woke up at 6.50am yesterday morning to go to the toilet when he heard the windows of his pub being smashed. Good, he woke up to go to the toilet that time, didn't it? Yeah. What, you say he's just pissed himself in bed? <laughs> no, I'm saying oh, right. it's fortuitous that oh, he I happened see, right. to need a piss right when some people are about to break in. I don't know. I think if you're Almost just... suspicious. <laughs> would, you, would you not think that maybe you would be woken up by the side of your windows being smashed more than you want to go to the toilet yeah but I'm saying you happened to wake up right before the windows were smashed and I'm saying that is fortuitous yeah maybe yeah, yeah it's a good point actually yeah it took long enough for me to make it yeah good point or for you to understand it shut up now Mr Foley had had uh, £500 stolen in a similar attack six weeks ago I think you answer that <laughs> uh, went downstairs to find two men attacking the machines Mr Foley said I knew what was happening this time, so I took my baseball bat. I went downstairs and saw these two geezers with balaclavas. When are you going to do the accent? Oh, sorry, I forgot to do it, sorry. Let's go Frank of a Connie. I opened the back door so one of them was dead inside the machine. So I did him in the ribs. <laughs> I did Connie? him in the ribs. Yeah, that's, that's the direct quote. I did him in the ribs. Yeah. <laughs> Not a euphemism. He went downstairs and started shouting for a guy called John to come and help him. John, can you come help me here? What, 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 the John, this fat wankers just dumped me in the ribs. <laughs> uh, the incident is just one in a similar spate of, of attacks taking uh, targeting pub, pub fruit machines in the borough in the last few months. Last week, the advertiser reported break-ins at the Randall Tavern in New Addington and the Forestdale Pub in Forestdale and the Beehive Pub in Woodside. Mr. Foley on CCTV and was given footage to the police said one of the men was attacking his machine with a sledgehammer while the other had a garden metal spade. A, a garden metal spade? Yes. I thought you said a gun and metal spade. No. Uh, while attacking the machine, the metal end of the spade broke off. Good quality spade. Yeah, I'm not sure that's relevant. Um, missing Mr. Foley said one of the men came and attacked him with a broken off bit of the spade, <laughs> cutting him in the head and causing him to bleed. Uh, he said, <laughs> sorry, when that happened, I felt myself go a bit. So I backed off a bit, but I managed to get the balaclaws off first. They were both white and aged between 25 and 30. <laughs> they ran off, but the police came out 15 minutes. I had asked an ambulance to come because I'd been hurt. I've got four sketches, but I'm okay. Why is he now sounding like he's from Cornwall? I don't know where he's from, Alex. Oh, yeah, Selhurst. I, I, I don't a know. Cornish man living in Selhurst. Can I ask, can I petition Rob that in future stories you always do an accent? I would I have to say I'm really enjoying this. Uh, I'm going fi- to finish the, 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 the quote off in my stereotypical Mexican accent. The fighting lasted about a minute and half, but it was high octane stuff. They ended up walking up with nothing except for a good hiding. <laughs> That's the end of the story. No comments? No. <laughs> On my Mexican accent, or just in general? So did that, sorry, I, I was so wrapped up in listening to that last accent. <clears throat> he's saying they did make off with the money. Uh, no, no, no. They, 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 they got. Uh, he got four stitches. No, sorry, they, they ran off. No, they, they, he didn't. They ran off after suffering a good hiding. Doesn't she say if they got off with anything? Didn't? 
Yeah, that's what they ended up walking off uh, with nothing except for a good hiding. Well, they didn't walk off, obviously, they ran off. Um, but I suppose that he had been hit in the face with a piece of spade. What's his name again? Uh, it's Mr. Danny Foley. Sleep well at night, Mr. Foley. Absolutely. <laughs> Right, Rob. I've got another animal news story. It's, it's strange you mention this because I have to say my, my list of story of the week is also an animal story. Well, Rob, this story um, is it's not, it's not really a bad news animal story. It's oh. a curious story. Oh. Um, my father sent me this story. Um, I should say that it doesn't count as a listener story because my dad doesn't actually listen to the podcast. So that's the way we're going to play it these days, is it? Yes. Right. Um, it's from the Daily Echo. From Bournemouth, because that's where my dad and my mum live now. And the headline is, I caught crocodile while fishing at lake in Ringwood. Bollocks, says Angler. There's no journalist listed with this story. Even though I think it might have made national news. Really? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, su- I'm sure I've read about it somewhere else as well. Okay. And Angler says he received the shock of his life when he reeled in a crocodile while fishing at a quiet lake. Alan Pragnell, 64, without fishing for roach. When you... <laughs> Is roach a type of fish? I've no idea. Is it? I would have thought a roach is an insect. Or, or something you use... I'm going cockroach fishing, love! <laughs> or something you put into rudimentary spliff. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention that. Oh, okay. So it takes me back to the bad old days. Mm. Anyway. We've all been there. Alan Pragma was out fishing for roach when he felt a strong tug on his line. <laughs> oh, okay. I see where this is going. I don't know if that's a euphemism. <laughs> to his disbelief, when he reeled in the catch... He says a crocodile was staring back at him just inches from where he sat. Alan, who's been fishing since he was six years old... He's been, he's been there a while. It's unfair getting a six-year-old to fish, really, isn't it? It's child cruelty. Well, unless he chose to do it, which I doubt it. Said, this thing grabbed the roach I was reeling in. When it emerged, I saw it was a crocodile about two feet long. It was underneath where I was sitting on my box. Rob, Rob is gesturing with his hands. Sorry, so I was trying to work out how... Yeah, OK. Well, if you're five foot... Then you can work out what two feet. Yeah, is. but I'm sitting down. Are you five foot? Yeah, I see you didn't <laughs> you challenge it. Five foot. I see yeah. you didn't challenge it at all. I don't know. Yeah. Of course you're not. Oh, well, that's good to know. You don't know how tall you are. I think I'm five foot six. Right. That... I, li- I like to round up to six foot. Mm. No one's correcting me so far. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it was underneath where I was sitting on my box on the water and just lay by the side of my feet for about eight seconds. Then it shot back into the lake. It opened its mouth and let out the fish, or what was left of it. I had to cut it in half, and there was just its head and part of the body. I was in disbelief. I had to justify in my mind what I had seen. Why did he have to cut it in half? I think uh, he's saying he cut the fish in half. Or not yeah, no, ask me. Why did he feel he had to cut the fish in half? Uh, Is it, it was just, because he's he just humane? He felt that the, the, the fish needed to be... Or did he eat the other half of the fish? <laughs> there and there. If I've caught it, I may as well eat it. Alan, from Ringwood was alone when he was fishing at, oh, he was, yeah. <laughs> at the popular 22-acre lake near his home. That's a surprise. Um, the support worker for the NHS is convinced that someone living nearby... Why does it matter that's his job? No, it doesn't. Uh, living nearby, he's convinced somebody living nearby has disposed of the reptile in the lake once it had grown too big. So he thinks it was a pet, it got too big, you know, and so they went down in the dead of the night and ditched it in the lake. 
The topic has been at the centre of discussion at the Ringwood and District Anglers Association since Alan reported the sighting. Fucking hell, but that's all right. I know. <laughs> Although Secretary and Vice President Peter Hutchinson doesn't believe it can be a crocodile, he admitted it was possible. However, committee member John Sudworth believes the sighting could simply be a £30 pike. John said a £30 <laughs> what, pike... What, walk? A £30 <laughs> pike will look like a crocodile. It might have evolved, Rob. <laughs> if it has, Alex, I really am going to kill myself. They have a very long head and a very long snout. Personally, I think if there's a crocodile in there, it wouldn't stand a chance of surviving the winter. The fishing club officials and Mr. Pragnall refused to disclose the location of the lake for fear of attracting large groups. <laughs> what's, a, what's a what? The massive pike? <laughs> Be like the new Loch Ness one. Let's go and see the crocodile. I mean, the, what, the massive two-foot crocodile? <laughs> that may not exist. <laughs> it's a good episode title, Rob. Massive two-foot crocodile that may not exist. <laughs> Great comments here, Rob. Nothing to fear, says, I hear the flapping of white coats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Baron 1 says, I don't believe it. This is a fishy tale if ever I heard one. Mm. Mikey Magic says, Pike, mystery solved. Scooby and the gang, not required. <laughs> Madras says, we need a quick resolution to this one. Make it snappy. Oh. Get it? <coughs> uh, Gastine's 3 says, not quite such a tall tale. I've told the story many times to friends over a glass of wine and won many bets when recounting that there were alligators in the river at Ilford. The Echo actually pub republished the story to prove my point. When a circus was on the fields by Eiford, sorry, Eiford Bridge, three alligators escaped into the river. A dog walker spotted one the next morning and two were eventually captured, but the third one was never found. The Sun, in quotes, newspaper, managed to make a story of it by getting a scantily... Thank God, I thought he meant the massive star. The Sun newspaper managed to make a story of it by getting a scantily clad model in a rowing boat at the scene, raising a scream at the discovery of the snapper. Fishing locally may become a dangerous sport. Um, Always Fishing says, I have known Alan for several years. He is one of the most level-headed people you could possibly meet and is not prone to exaggeration. Good to know. He has a wealth of experience as both a match angler and a pleasure angler. <laughs> Can There's I say something these, about the term pleasure angler? That must be a technical true. fish. Doesn't ring. Doesn't sit right. You mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it sounds like a brand. Of, it sounds like a brand of condom. <laughs> yes. Yes. It does. Durex pleasure angler. Then you ribbed pleasure angler. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he has caught hundreds of pike. So if he says he hooked a crocodile or something similar, then I and many other members of the Ringwood Match Group. Actually believe him. Uh, you're having a laugh, Triple One says, which suggests that there are 111... <laughs> 110 you're having a laugh before him. Anyway, yeah. He says someone needs to lay off the wacky-backy. Mm. Uh, he, he comments again and says, maybe you'll catch a Loch Ness Monster next. It'll give the Echo another made-up story to report. <laughs> uh, Jakey's Red says, of course it's possible for a croc or... Croc or... Cayman to have been released into the lake the secretary of the angling club must be a total ignorant old gin swilling dodderer I've never seen a pike with legs that's your point Rob he must be the ex-town mayor from the Jaws film <laughs> okay Hatchpond in Paul was once troubled by a snapping turtle that somebody released when it got too big for them and that did survive a cold winter so mock ye at your peril can I say Rob total ignorant old gin swill swin total ignorant old gin swilling dodderer is a good episode. I think that's the winner. And uh, Reeve, uh, 0007 Rob, replies to the person who talked about the um, it not being a tall tale, about those three alligators yeah. escaping and one of them going missing. And he said, Only one alligator escaped into the back stream at Iford. I spent many days with the bailiff trying to locate it. 
but it was eventually spotted and retrieved by a local policeman who I believe had a reward from the circus. Sorry. It's a very cryptic uh, remark there, but it sounds like something from the League of Gentlemen. Also, why, 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 why was he looking for an alligator with a bailiff? Uh, I don't know. Had he just, I, the alligator been recently evicted? It was there. Was there a considerable rent arrears? Does this guy think he's like Crocodile Dundee? Is he like a crocodile hunter? <laughs> I'd like to know what award he got from the circus. The police. He was given a midget. The policeman got a reward from the circus. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't think a policeman would need a reward. I don't know. If you find someone's alligator, I think that would be the. the uh, yeah, but if you're a policeman, isn't that part of your duty? Is your job? So you're trying to maintain that finding some alligators part of a policeman's everyday duties, are you, Alex? Yes. Okay. Now, Rob, my second story here is... I don't know if you've heard about this because I think it probably did make national news. It's from the Daily Echo. My father sent me this again. Thanks, Dad, because he sent me a lot of stories this week. It's by Aaron Hendy. And, Rob, the episode... Uh, the, the headline of the story is... Gaza visits Bournemouth tattoo parlour to get inked for five days in a row. I did see this, yes. Football legend Paul Gascoigne has become a regular at Bournemouth Tattooist where he visited for five days on the trot. Now that doesn't make you a regular in my eyes. I th- well, Does I don't it? know. If I go to the pub, for fi- if I go to a pub tomorrow and I go there five days a week, that doesn't make me a regular. Yes, but the assumption is that's something you would... You, I think you can go to the pub on a regular basis. The tattoo parlour is something different. It's not something you you get you would habitually do, I don't, I don't feel. Maybe five days on the trot, I think you would be classed as a regular. Yeah, but you've got to sustain it to be a regular. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. But I think again, it was something that you would, you would, it would become part of your life. I don't think getting tattooed it is it would be a, a daily occurrence. I don't want to argue about this, Rob. Okay. Staff at Bournemouth Inc. in Old Christchurch Road are told how the new, how the former England star has become a friend, and spends time there getting new emblems done on his back and arms. Now that's my other problem with this story. You know, how can you become a friend in five days? These people are obviously very lonely, like the angler from the previous story. The pleasure angler. Yeah. Jamie Austin, manager of the Tattooist, said he's been in for five days in a row and has become part of the Bournemouth Inc. family. Again, can you become part of a family after only five days? Maybe it's a small family. You can see I take, I've taken issue with this. Yeah. For me, he says, he's now a personal friend and he often brings in presents and signs stuff. That makes it sound like it's over the course of five months, not five days. Alex, we, we don't know. I mean, it, it's quite possible that although he went for five consecutive days to get tattoos, we don't know he hasn't been back on a regular basis. Just, just, just say hello. Mm, good point. He said the recent tattoos have included a rose, Gaz's ex-wife Cheryl's name. Yes, I know. A robin and a locket. The, the sweet or the, uh, <laughs> the, the, throat the piece throat. of jewellery? <laughs> good episode tile in there as well, Rob. Gaza lives close to Boscombe Seafront and recently appeared in a television documentary discussing his fight against alcoholism. But Jamie said the former Newcastle, Tottenham, Lazio, Glasgow Rangers and Everton player has been healthy and happy of late. Jamie said he has given him a signed picture of the free kick he scored against Arsenal at Wembley. Boo! From an Arsenal fan. He said Gaza has also given him a poem, an England shirt from the 1990 World Cup and an Evington training top. A poem. (laughs) I hope he wrote that himself. <laughs> He's very happy at the moment, Jamie added. He's really enjoying himself. He's great mates now, Rob. Yeah. Other people have taken to Twitter to say how pleased they are at meeting the former footballer. Amanda Ramage wrote that she loved meeting him. What a legend. Such a down-to-earth guy, she added. And Gaza's tattooist, named on Twitter as Robbie Bourne, wrote, Top day, top man, after showing a picture of him carrying, a tat- carrying out a tattoo while the Geordie played on his harmonica. 
Yeah, I've seen that. It's a very weird picture. Yeah, it is weird. Comments, Rob. Big Tone says, I wonder if he gets one on his forehead. What will it say? Retry69 takes him up on this challenge. I wonder if he gets one on his forehead. What will it say? And he just writes in caps, Leave me alone, dickheads. <laughs> Which I assume is what he reckons Gaz would have on his forehead, not what he's saying yeah. to the content. But yeah. I just, that is so true, isn't it? <laughs> Stop exploiting me, you wankers. Yeah. ASM said, I've heard the same about Gaz. He's a real nice, down-to-earth bloke who will talk to anyone about football. I'd love to see him involved with young footballers locally. Maybe he could open his own soccer school. Or that would be great, I think. That remark was unnecessary. <laughs> uh, Crone of Delphi says, Seriously, if you're a friend, why go bragging about his personal choices of tattoos to the local rag? Poor man with friends like that. Leave the man alone. Good point. Well, he is a tattooist, so... Yeah, but he didn't have to report this story. Well, no, it's confidential true. information that, about what he got tattooed. Isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Elite fifty says, "Why the hell would you put a picture on your? Of, why the hell would you put a picture on your body that you would not think about putting on your wall?" Paul Gascoigne has enough problems without buying, being used by these vultures. Hamworthy girl says, "A sad figure of a man who is talented but flawed, as many are. He needs a good friend, not one who takes advantage." I'm aware he has wasted his life, and there are lots of people <laughs> a lot worse off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My daughter met him when he visited her work and she said he was a lovely guy but looked really frail. Sadly, I don't think he'll get any better. And I wish him well. <laughs> Very fatalistic. <laughs> yeah. Chicken Madras takes issue with Hamworthy Girl's uh, comment, he has wasted his life. <laughs> and says, if playing football for your country, playing in a World Cup semi-final, European Championship semi-final, FA Cup final, playing at some of the biggest clubs in the world is a wasted life. Well, that would be accepting Tottenham, I assume. Then I may as well go and jump off the top of a cliff. Okay. Nigel Perkins says, I've heard the same about Gazza. He's a real nice, down-to-earth bloke. This is quoting a previous commenter. Right. So you've heard, but not really met him. Dot, dot, dot. So how do you know he's a real nice bloke? Dot, dot, dot. I, for one, as a dad, dot, 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 wouldn't want a waster, because that's what he really is, knocking around the park for my lads. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Boscombe, his home address, says it all, dot, dot, dot. Mmm, quite at home, I say, dot, dot, dot. Yes, had experience of Boscombe, dot, dot, dot. 25 years ago, lovely town, dot, dot, dot. Now, dot, 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 I'd rather visit Kurdistan during a blackout, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Kurdistan during a blackout is a nice episode title. Had everything, this chap, and tossed it all aside for a knees up. <laughs> and then just finishes, in caps, Waster! <laughs> I don't understand. Tossed it up for a tossed it for a knees up. <laughs> tossed it up for a knees up. Again, it, it could be a fantastic episode title. What is it about the people? Good understanding of alcoholism there. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. What is it about the people of Boscombe saying which incurs so much wrath? <laughs> Well, why don't you and maybe you and I need to take a day trip to Boscombe one day and do a special episode from Boscombe? Quite possibly. Okay, Rob, we have uh, come to time, but of course we have to leave time for our listener story segment of the week. Yes, and uh, this one is from Shay. Um, it's from the This Is Somerset Online. Um, 
there's no journalist listed, uh, and you'll have to bear with me because the headline is slightly cryptic. Inset Factory Inferno doused after 12 hours. Sorry, sorry. How can you not have told me that you already had the episode told? Insect Factory Inferno. Because I didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> but we've had so many this week. Insect Factory... What was the rest of the headline? Insect Factory Inferno doused after 12 hours. You said you had a bad news animal story. An insect doesn't count as an animal. It's an insect. Oh, good point. Okay, well, this is a bad news insect story. Is that the first bad news insect story we've ever had? I think it might have been, yeah. I don't ever recall any stories about, you know, a green, green fly being... I don't think anyone cares. Have you ever eaten a green fly? I have. When I was a child, I ate a few green fly. I was hungry. I'm going to go on with the story. A 12 hour overnight battle against the blaze at an insect factory in Ritterbridge. 12 hour overnight, hang on. Uh, what, what was the headline? Insect factory inferno doused after 12 hours. And what was that bit? A 12, a 12 hour overnight battle against the blaze. An insect factory in Rooksbridge. 12 hour overnight insect factory inferno. <laughs> I have to say, that's unique headline. Yes. Uh, was extinguished an hour ago. If anyone, anyone were, this, this story is from, the, from October 17th, so it was an hour and uh, a month ago. Why haven't you been sitting on it for so long? Uh, because Shay sent us a few good ones, and, oh, I, I, and I like to spread them out. Um, the firefighting operation. Uh, to put out the blaze. Poor Shay, you've probably been wondering for the last month, those fuckers. Why didn't they read out my insect inferno story? You might have given up listening to the podcast. They're thinking if they're listening to some of the stories you've been reading out, thinking you've been choosing this over this, over my story, probably started his own podcast. Good luck to you, Shay. Probably didn't bear on us. Um, yes, where was I? Anyway, yeah, the firefighting operation to put out the blaze, the blazing building. Um, which houses a live insect production unit has finally been extinguished after 12 hours. Sorry, what the fuck is a live... I know, yes, I can work it out myself. <laughs> My understanding of um, biology... Yes. ...and nature and these things is that insects are part of the natural world... Yes. ...and reproduce and give birth of them, you know, in and of themselves. Yeah. We don't need an ins- a production line that produces them. Are these no. robotic insects? Uh, not that I can work out. Right. It's been confirmed that the entire building and its context and contents were destroyed by the fire, which required eight breathing masks, five hoses, two main jets, one compressed air foam jet, and one safety jet to be used. Rob, did any insects survive? Alex, I'm going to have to come on to that, and unfortunately it's, it's not good news. <laughs> Live Food UK Farm... Live Food UK Live Food such as insects, which are then sent out via mail order. So they produce insects... Okay, farm live food, such as insects. Okay, right. The company, set up by Steve Rolf, posted a message... So these insects are just bred to die? Yes. Like I said, it's a sad story. Posted a message on his website saying, Unfortunately, due to a serious fire, we are temporarily unable to take any orders. (laughs) It's going to be more than temporary, mate. Your whole factory... Your whole factory has been raised to the ground, temporarily closed. Quickly, he just ran to the gates. He got, he, he, he got the call from, uh, I don't know, from the fire game, ran there, and then he goes, just tell me what happened to the insects. I think that's exactly what happened. Can I, can I just say to this man, though, that having, right before this podcast, apparently um, experienced a hard drive failure on my computer, 
I know exactly how he feels and the level of devastation he must be going through right now. I just I left the the image of him turning up and then literally just asking what's happened and maybe a fireman just hastens to one side, just pours out this coat and all this like dead bees on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and he just breaks down his tears. Insurance job. Possibly. He rustled all the insects out there in the dead of the night and then set fire to the building. <laughs> There are definitely insects that uh, perished, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> fire crews received several calls reporting a, a, a building fire at Live Food UK in Rooksbridge. At 3.51am, three engines from Burnham-on-Sea in Cheddar were sent along with a water caravan Bridgewater. On, on arrival, crews found a large building alight. The property was a single storage unit containing live feed for lizards and reptiles. Um, crews requested an additional pump to attend the incident from Avon Fire Rescue... Avon sent two engines, making a total of five appliances, plus the water carrier. I have to say, that I, 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 this is quite impressive. Unfortunately, this article is just facts, and there's not much else to it. Because literally, after this, it's just, it just gives a, a, almost a blow-by-blow blow account of what actually happened. Can I hear it? If you'd like. Um, the incident command unit was mobilised to attend, and police were also called to, the, to attend. Water was pumped from a nearby swimming pool to help st- uh, s- sorry to help uh, s- sectorise so yeah, sectorise the fire. Uh, <laughs> an incident that's actually your swimming pool. <laughs> well, hopefully no one was uh, no one was in the swimming pool at three fifty one a.m. <laughs> if they had, they'd broken in. Yeah, but if they wanted an early morning swim, they were they were they're buggered, weren't they? Yeah, that's true. Uh, an incident. So being like, no, could you say no? No. <laughs> <laughs> to what? To what? <laughs> to the fireman. Uh, well, yeah, possibly. Um, a mixture of foam and main jets was u- were used and the environmental agency in Bristol Water were informed about the mixture. Uh, the incident command... Uh, Alex, this is just getting... No, annoying. please no more. No, no. <laughs> Tell me about the dead insects. Um, uh, yeah. Um, it doesn't mention the insects. You told me later on in the story you would tell us. I thought it did. How many insects survived? Yeah, unfortunately, Alex, there's... There's there's no more information about the insects. I could have sworn it said there were there were. Oh, I, I could have sworn it said there was, but uh, unfortunately there. I can't think of another pun. You're so, an idiot. Uh, yeah. Suffice it to say, unfortunately, there's going to be some lizards and reptiles going hungry for Christmas. And on that very sombre note, Rob, I think we should say, uh, take care. And God bless. Oh.